Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone by J.K. Rowling. Chapter One: The Boy Who Lived. Mister and Missus Dudley on Number Four Privet Drive. We're proud to say they were perfectly normal. Thank you very much. They were the last people you expect to be involved in anything strange or mysterious because they just didn't hold with such nonsense. Missus Dudley was a Director of a firm called Grannings, which made drills. He was a big, beefy man with hardly any neck. Although he did have a very large moustache, Mrs. Dursley was thin and blonde, and had nearly twice the usual amount of neck, which、uh, which came in very useful as she spent so much of her time craning over garden fences, spying on the neighbours. The Dudley, the Dursley had a small son called Dudley, and in their opinion, there was no finer boy anywhere. The Dursley had everything, everything they wanted, but they also had a secret, and their greater fear was that somebody would discover it. They didn't think that they could, they could bear if anyone found out about the Potters. Mister Potter was Missus Dursley's sister, but they haven't. They hadn't met for met for several years. In fact, Missus Dudley pretended she didn't have a sister, because her sister and her good for nothing husband was as underslash as it was possible possible to be. The Dudley shuddered to think what the neighbors would say if the Potters arrived in the street. The Dursley knew that the Potters had a small son too, but they, I see, had never even seen him. This boy was another good reason for keeping the Potters away. They didn't want the the undoubtedly mixing with a child like that. When Mister and Missus Dursley woke up on the on the dull grey Tuesday, our our story starts. There was nothing about the cloudy sky outside the to suggest that strange and mysterious things would soon be happening all over the country. Mrs. Dudley hummed as he picked out his most boring tie for work, and Mrs. Dudley gasped away happily as she wrestled a screaming Dudley into his high chair. None of them noticed a large twenty. Owl fluttered past the window. At half past eight, Mrs. Dursley picked up his briefcase, packed Mrs. Dursley on the cheek, and ah、uh, yeah, to kiss Dudley goodbye. But Miss Dug, but Dudley was now having a tantrum and threw his carol at the walks. Little tyke, shuttled Mrs. Dursley as he left the house. He got into his car and backed out of Number Four Privet Drive. Number Four's drive. It was on the corner of the street where he noticed the first sign of something peculiar—a cat reading a map. For a second, Mrs. Dudley didn't realize what he had seen. Then he jerked his head around to look again. There was a tabby cat standing on the corner of Privet Drive, but there wasn't a map in sight. What could he be thinking of? It must have been a trick of the light. Missus Dudley blinked and stared at the cat. It stared back, 
As Mrs. Dudley drove around the corner and up the road, watched the cat in his mirror, it was now reading the sign that said Privet Drive. Now look at the sign. Look at the sign. Cats couldn't read maps or signs. Mrs. Dudley gave him a little shake and put the cat out of his mind. As he drove towards the town to town, he thought of nothing except a large order of drills. He was hoping to get that down. But on the edge of town, drills were driven out of his mind by something else. As he sat in the usual morning traffic jam, he, could, he couldn't help notice that there seemed to be a lot of strangely dressed people about. People in cloaks? Because they couldn't bear people who dress in funny clothes. The get-ups, you know, you saw, are young people. He supposed this was some stupid new fashion. He dropped his fingers on the steering wheel and his eyes and his eyes fell on a huddle of these weirdos standing quite close by. They were whispering and signing together. Mrs. Dolly was enraged to see that a couple of them weren't young at all. Why, that man had to be older than he was and wearing an immolent green cloak. The nerve of him, but then it struck Mrs. Dolly that this was probably some silly These people were all collecting for something. Yes, that would be it. The traffic moved on, and a few minutes later, Mrs. Dudley arrived in the grinding car park. His mind back on drills. Mrs. Dudley always sat with his back to the window in his office on the ninth floor. If he hadn't, he might have found it. Harder to consult on drills that morning. He didn't see the hours swimming past in broad daylight. Two people down in the street did. They pointed and gazed open mouth as hour after hour speed overhead. Most of them had never seen an hour, even at night time. Mr. Dursley, however, had a perfectly normal. Mm. Of them had ever seen an owl that. Mr. Dre, however, had a paranormal owl free morning. He yelled at five different people. He made several Im- important telephone calls and shouted a bit more. He was in a very good mood until lunchtime. When he thought he stretched his leg and walked across the road to buy himself a bun from the baker's opposite, he forgotten all about the people in cloaks until he passed a group of them next to the bakers. He eyed them angry as he passed. He didn't know why, but they made him uneasy. This lot was whistling excitedly too, and he couldn't see a single collecting tin. It was on his way back past them clutching a large donut in the bag that he caught a few words of what they were saying. The potters. That's right. That's why I heard. Yes, their son, Harry. 
Mr. Darcy stopped dead. Fear flooded him. He looked back at the whispers as if he wanted to say something to them. But he, but though better of it, he dashed back across the road, hurried up to his office, snapped at his cellar not to disturb him, sized his telephone and had almost finished dialing his home number when he changed his mind. He put the receiver back down and stroked his moustache, thinking, no. He was being stupid. Potter was wasn't such as an usual name. He was there where lots of people called Potter, who had a son called Harry. Come to think it, he was he wasn't even sure he knew was called he his nep, nephew was called Harry. He'd never even seen the boy. It might have been Harvey or Harold. There was no point in worrying. Mrs. Dursley, she always got so upset at any mention of her sister. He didn't blame her if he'd had a sister like that. But all that same, those people in cloaks. He found it a lot harder to concentrate on drills that afternoon. And when he left the building at 5 o'clock, he was still so worried that he walked straight into someone just outside the door. Sorry, he grunted, as the tiny old man stumbled and almost fell. It was a few seconds before Mr. Dory realized that, that the man was wearing a violet cloak. He didn't see it at all upset at being almost knocked onto the ground. On the contrary, his face split into a white smile and he said in a squeaky voice that made passers-by stare, Don't be sorry, my dear sir, for nothing could upset me today. Rejoice, for you know who has gone at last. Even mugger like yourself would be celebrating this happy, happy day. And the old man hugged Mrs. Dudley around the middle and walked off. Mrs. Dudley Mr. Dudley stood rooted to the spot. He had, he had been hugged by a complete, complete stranger. He also thought he had been caught a muggle. Whatever that was, he was rattled. He hurried to his car and set off home, hoping he was imagining things, which he had never hoped before because he didn't approve of imagination. As he pulled into the in, into the driveway of number four, the first thing he saw, and it didn't improve his mood, was the tabby cat he's sitting that morning. It was not sitting on his guard no more. He was sure it was the same one. It had the same markings around its eyes. Shh, said Mrs. Dudley loudly. Shoo, said Mrs. Dudley loudly. The cat didn't move. It just had have him a stern look. What was this normal cat behavior? Mister Dyer wondered, trying to pull himself, trying to pull himself together. He let himself into the house. He was still dim, determined not to mention anything to his wife. 
Mr. Dursley had 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 a nice normal day. She told him over dinner all about Mrs. Nick's Mrs. Nick's door problems with her daughter, and how Dudley and had learned a new word, shunt. Mrs. Dudley tried to act normally when Dudley had been put to bed. He went into the living room in time to catch the last report on the evening news. And finally, birds watchers everywhere had reported that the nation's owls had been behaving very usual today. Unusual today, although owls normally hunt at night and and are hardly ever seen in daylight, there had there have been hundreds of sightings. Of three of these birds flying in every direction since sunrise, expect are unable to explain why the owls have suddenly changed their sleeping pattern. The news reader allowed himself a grin, most mysteriously mysterious, and now over to Jim Mix Gif Guffin with the with the weather. Going to be any more sh- showers of ours tonight, Jim? Well, Ted said the weatherman. I don't know what about that, but it's not only the owls what have been acting oddly today. Viewers as far apart as Kent, Yokisha, and Dundee have been phoning. In to tell me that instead of the rain I, I promised yesterday, they've had a downpour of shooting stars. Perhaps people have been serving bonfire night early. It's not until next week, folks. But I can't promise a wet night. Night tonight, Mrs. Dudley sat frozen and. In his armchair, shooting stars all over Britain. I'll fly by daylight. This is very mysterious, by the way. Mysterious people in cloaks all over the place, and a whisper, a whisper about the potters. Mrs. Dolly came into the room, carried two cups of tea. It was no good. He had to say something to her. He. Clear his throat nervously. Uh, Petunia, dear, you haven't heard from your sister lately, have you? As he expected, Mrs. Dudley sh- looked shocked and angry. After all, they normally when she didn't have a sister. No, she said sharply. Why? Funny stuff on the news, Mrs. Dudley mumbled. Owls, shooting stars, and there were a lot of funny-looking people in town. Today, so snapped Mrs. Dursley. Well, I just thought maybe you're something to do, you know, a lot. Mrs. Dursley sipped her tea, though pursed lips. Mrs. Dursley wondered whether he da- dared tell her he heard the name Potter. He decided he didn't dare. Instead. He said as casual, casual, 
as he could just as he could the son he'd be about Doc's age now wouldn't be wouldn't wouldn't he I suppose so said Mrs. Dursley stiffly what's his name again how how Howard isn't it Harry nasty common name you ask me oh yes Dursley he's Hot singing horrible. Yes, I quite agree. He didn't say any another word on the subject as they went upstairs to bed. While Mrs. Dursley was in the bathroom, Mr. Dursley crept to the bedroom window and peered down into the front garden. The cat was still there. He was staring down Pudra as though he was waiting for something. Was he imagining things? Could all this have any have anything to do with the potters? If it had, if it did, if it got out that they were the that they were related to a pair of well, he didn't think he could bear it. The Dursley got into the bed. Got into bed. Mr. Dursley fell asleep quickly last. Com- comforting through before. Mm. The Dursley got into the bed. But Mrs. Dursley lay awake. Turning all it all over in his mind. His last comedy thought. Before he fell asleep, was that even even if the potters were involved, there was no reason for them to come near him and Mrs. Dursley. The potter knew very well what he he and Patina thought about them and their and their kid. He couldn't see how he and Patina get mixed up in. Anything that might be going on, he yawned and turned over. It couldn't affect them. How very wrong he was. Mrs. Dursley might have been drifting into an uneasy sleep, but the cat on the wall outside was showing no sign of sleepness. It was sitting as still as a statue, its eyes fixed, unblinkingly on the far corner of Privet Drive. It didn't so much as quiver when the car door slammed in the next street, nor when two owls swooped over him. In fact, it was nearly midnight before the cat moved at all. A man appeared at the corner the cat had been watching, appeared so shallowly and silently you have thought he just popped out of the ground. The cat's tail twitched, and its eyes narrowed. Nothing like this man had ever been seen in Pretty Dry. He was tall, thin, and very old. Judging by the silver of his hair and beard, which were both long enough to tuck into his belt. He was wearing long robes, a purple cloak which swept the ground and high-heeled buckled boots. His blue eyes were light, bright and sparkling 
before half moon, half moon spectacles, and his nose was very long and crooked, as though it it had been broken at least twice, at least twice. This man's name was Albus Dumbledore. Albus Dumbledore didn't seem to realize that he had just arrived in a street where everything from his name to his boots was unwelcome. He was busy rummaging in his cloak, looking for something. But he did seem to realize he was being watched because he looked up suddenly at the cat, which was still staring at him from from the other end of the street. For some reason, the sight of the cat seemed to amuse him. He chuckled and muttered, I should have known. He had found what he was looking for in his inside pocket. It seemed to be a silver lighter. He flicked it open, held it up in the air and clicked it. The near street lamp went out with a little pop. He clicked it then. The next lamp flicked into darkness. Twelve times he clicked the put, the put outer, until the light only the until the only light left in the whole street were two tiny pricks in the distance, which were the eyes of the cat watching him. If anyone looked out of their window now, even Betty, even Mr. Dursley, they wouldn't be able to see anything that was happening down on the, on the pavement. Dom slipped the putter out back in, inside his cloak and set off down the street towards number four, where he sat down on the wall next to the cat. He didn't look at it, but after a moment, he spoke to it. Fancy seeing you here, Professor McGonagall. He turned to smart and tabby, but he had gone. Instead, he was smiling at a rather sober-looking woman who was wearing square glasses, exactly the shape of the markings the cat had had around its eyes. She, too, was wearing a cloak and a more and a emote one. Her black hair was drawn into a tight bun. She looked dizzily ruffled. How do you know it was me? she asked. Miss, my dear professor, I've never seen a cat sit so stiffly. You'd be stiff if you'd been sitting on a brick wall all day, said Professor McGonagall. All day? Where well, you could have been celebrating, I must have passed a dozen feasts and parties on my way here. Professor McGonagall sniffed angrily. Oh yes, everyone celebrates. All right, she said impatiently. You bet you think they'd be a bit more careful. But even the mongols have noticed something going on. It was on their news. She jerked her head back and the dirty dark living room window. I heard it. Flocks of owls shooting stars were not very stupid. They were bound where? 
There's so many pages left. There's so many pages. Mm. To notice something, shooting stars down in Kent. I'll bet that was Delbert's Diggle. He never had, had much sense. You can't blame them, said Dumbledore gently. We've had precious, precious little to celebrate for 11 years. I know that, said Professor McGonagall irritably. But that that's no reason to lose our heads. Peoples are being downright careless out on the streets in broad daylight, not even dressed in muggle clothes, shopping rumours. She threw a sharp sideways glance at Dumbledore, her as though hoping he, hoping he was going to tell her something, but he didn't, so she went on. A fine thing it'll be if on the very day you know who seemed to have disappeared at last. The muggle found out about us all. I suppose he really, he really has gone, Dumbledore. It certainly seems so, said Dumbledore. We have much to be thankful for. Would you care for us uh, for Sherbert Lemon? What? Sherbet lemon. They're, they're a kind of muggle sweet I'm rather fond of. No, thank you, said Mr. M- Mr. McGonagall. Coldly, as though she didn't think this was the moment for Sherbet lemons. As I say, even if you know who has gone, Mr. Dear Professor, Sorry, I sensible professor like your yourself can call him by his name or the you know who nonsense. For eleven years, I have been trying to persuade people to call himself his proper name, Voldemort. Professor McGonagall flinched. But Dumbledore, who was unstucking two shepherd lemons, seemed not to notice. It all gets so confusing. Mm. So confusing if we keep saying, you know who. I've never seen any reason to be frightened of saying Voldemort's name. I know you haven't, said Mrs. Mrs. Uh, McGonagall sounding half expressed half admired but you're different everyone knows you're the only one you know oh alright Voma was frightened now you flatter me said Dumbledore clammy clammy calmly Voldemort had powers I would, I would never have only because you're two, we're noble to use them. It's it's luckily it's dark. I haven't blushed so much since Madame Pomfrey told me she 
like my new uh, um, earmuffs. Professor McGonagall knocked a, sh- a sharp look at Dumbledore and said, Dows are nothing at the remorse that are flying around. You know what everyone's saying about why he's disappeared, about what finally stopped him. It seems that Professor Goyle had reached the point he was most anxious and disgust. The real way she had been waiting on the cold hot wall all day for near, neither as a cat nor as a woman. Had she fixed Dumbledore with such a piercing stare she did now. It was plain what that whatever everyone was saying. She was not going to believe it until Dumbledore told her it was true. Dumbledore was choosing another shabblem and did not answer. That what they are saying she pressed on is that last night Voma turned up in Godric's hollow. He went to find the Potters. The rumour is that Lily and Jane Potter are uh, that they're dead. Dumbledore bowed his head. Professor gasped. Lily and James? I can't believe it. I didn't want to believe it. Oh, Albus. Dumbledore reached out and patted her on the shoulder. I know. I know, he said heavily. Professor Vergara's voice trembled as she went on. That's not all. They're saying he tried to kill Harry to kill the Potter's son. Harry, but he couldn't. He couldn't kill that little boy. No one knows why or how, but they're saying that when he couldn't kill... When he couldn't kill Harry Potter, Voldemort, Voldemort's power somehow broke, and that's why he's gone. Dumbledore nodded glumly. It's, it's the truth. It's, it's true. Fetter Goggle. After he, all he's done, all the people he's killed. He couldn't kill a little boy. It's just astounding. Of all the things to stop him, but... How in the name of heaven did Harry survive? We can only guess, said Dumbledore. We may never know. Professor McGonagall pulled out a lace handkerchief and dabbed at her eyes beneath her spectacles. Dumbledore gave a great sniff as he took a golden watch from his pocket and, and, and examined it. It was a very old old witch. It had twelve hands but no numbers. Instead, little planted planets were moving around the edge. It must have been it must have made sense to Dumbledore, though because she put it back in his pocket and said, Hagrid's late. I suppose it was he who 
told you I'd be here, by the way. Yes, said Professor McGonagall, and I don't suppose you're going to tell me why you're here, of all places. I've come to bring Harry to his aunt and uncle. They're the only friend he has left now. You don't mean you can't meet the people who live here, cried Professor McGonagall, jumping to her feet and pointing at number four, at, at, at number four Dumbledore. You can't. I've been watching them all day. You, you couldn't find two people who are less like us. And they've got this son. I saw him kick his mother all the way up the street, screaming for sweets. Harry Potter, come and live here. It's the best place for him, said Dumbledore firmly. His aunt and uncle will be able to explain everything to him when he's older. I've written them a letter. A letter? Re- re- repeated. Re- uh, res- Professor McGonagall faintly, sitting back down on the wall. Really, Dumbledore? You think you can explain all this in a letter? These people will never understand him. He'll be famous, a legend. I wouldn't be surprised if they was known as Harry Potter Day in future. There will be books written about Harry. Every child in our world will know his name. Exactly, said Dumbledore looking very seriously over the top of his upper of his half moon glasses. It would be enough to turn any boy's head. Famous before he can walk and talk. Famous of something he won't even remember. Can't you see how much better of he'll be growing up away from all that until he's ready to take it? Professor McGonagall opened her mouth, changed her mind, swallowed, and then said, Yes, yes, you're right. Of course. But how is the boy getting here, Dumbledore? She eyed his clothes suddenly as though she thought he might he might be hiding Harry underneath it. Hagrid bringing him. You think it wise? To trust Hagrid with something as important as this. I won't trust Hagrid with my life, said Dumbledore. I'm not saying his heart isn't in the right place, said Professor Grunt-Gilling. But you can't pretend he's not callous. He does, he does tend to. What was that? A low rumbling sound had broken the silence around them. It grew suddenly louder as they looked up and down the street for some sign of a headlight. It swelled to a roar as they both looked up at the sky and a huge motorbike fell out of the air and landed on the road in front of them. If the motorbike was huge, it was nothing to the man sitting astronaut it. He was almost twice as tall as a normal man and 
at and at least five times as wide. He looked slimly too big to be allowed, and so wild. Long tangles of bushy black hair, and beard hid hide most of his face. He had hands the size of dustbin lids, and his sweet in their little boots were like baby dolphins. In his vast muscular arms, he was holding a bundle of blankets. Hagrid said, Dumbledore, sounding relieved at last. And where do you get that motorbike? Borrow it. Professor Dumbledore, sir, said the giant. Climbed carefully off the motorbike as he spoke. Young Sotus, Sirus, Black lent me it. I've got him, sir. No problem. Where there? No, sir. House was almost destroyed, but I got him out. All right, before the muggles start, start, started swarming. Around he fell asleep as we, as we was fling over Bristol. Dumbledore and Professor McGonagall bent forward over the bundle of blankets inside, just visible. Was a baby boy fast asleep under a under a tuft of jet black hair over his forehead. They could see a curious sharp. Like a bolt of lightning. Is that where was the professor, professor Bagargle? Yes, said Namdor. You have that scar forever. Couldn't you think about it, Dumbledore? Even if I could, even if I could, scars can come in in useful. I have one myself above my left knee, which is a perfect map. Of the London Underground, well, give him here, Hagrid. We better get this over him. Dumbledore took Harry in his arms and turned towards the Dursley's house. house. Could I, could I say goodbye to him, sir? Asked Hagrid. Bent his great shaggy head over Harry and gave him that what must have been a very Whiskery kiss. Then suddenly, Harry let out a howl like a warning dog. Shh! He's running out. You wake the Dursley. Sorry, sobbed Hagrid, taking out the large spotted handkerchief and burying his face in it. But I can't stand it. Lee and James dead and pull your hair up to the line with muggles. Yes, yes, it's all very sad. But get a grip of yourself, Harriet. All will be found. Professor McGon whispered, panting, patting Harriet dearly on the arm. As Donald stepped over the low garden hall and walked to the front door, he laid Harry gently on the doorstep, took a letter out of his cloak, tucked it inside Harry's blankets, and then came back to the other two for a few full minutes 
The three of them stood and looked at the little bundle. Hagrid's shoulders shook. Professor McGonagall blinked furiously, and the twinkled eyes, twinkling at light that usually shone from Dumbledore's eyes, seemed to have gone out. Well, said Dumbledore firmly, that's that. We've no business staying here. We may as well go and join the celebrations. Yeah, said Harry, in a very muffled voice. I, I, it, I best get this bike away. Giant Professor, good night, good night, Professor McGonagall, Professor Dumbledore, wiping his streaming eyes on his jacket sleeve. Hagrid swung himself onto the mokala and kicked the engine into life. With a roar, it rose into the air and off into the light. I shall see you soon, I expect, said Professor McGonagall. Sit down, Dumbledore, nodding to her. Professor McGonagall blew her nose in reply. Dumbledore turned and walked back down the street. On the corner, he stopped and took out the seal put out there. He clicked it once and twelve balls of light sped back to the street lamp so that prairie dry growled su- suddenly around and he could make out a heavy cat slinking around the corner at the other end of the street. He could just see the bundle of blankets on step of number four. Good luck, Harry, he muttered. He turned on his heel, and with a swish of his coat, he was gone. A brief ripple the neat hedges of Prima Drive, which lay silent and tidy under the inky sky, the very last place you would expect astonishing things to happen. Harry Potter rode over his inside his blanket without waking up. One small hand closed on the letter beside him and he slept on. Not to knowing he was special. Not knowing he was famous. Not knowing he was he he would be woken in a few hours time by Mrs Mrs Dusty scream as she opened the front door to put out the milk bottles. Nor that he would spend the the next few weeks being prodded and pinched by his cousin Dudley. He couldn't know that as at this very moment people meeting in secret all over the country were holding up their glasses and saying in hushed voices to Harry Potter The Boy Who Lived Chapter 2 The Vanishing Glass